Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with Byteclear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Byteclear aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at That's Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. And welcome to the Water Cooler, everybody. I'm David Brody. It's Monday, May 10th, uh, 2021. Hope you had a great weekend. My guess is... Liz Cheney didn't have a great weekend. That's because later this week, unless there's some seismic shift or an act of God, she's going to be replaced by GOP leadership, and she'll be replaced by Republican Congresswoman Elise Stefanik. Now, the GOP's number one, Kevin McCarthy, gave Stefanik his endorsement over the weekend, and POTUS 45 is also on board. We're going to take a closer look at what all of this means for Republicans going forward. Also today, as Ronald Reagan would say, well, there he goes again. That was a horrible Reagan, by the way. Joe Biden continues uh, the big Trump reversal. This time we're talking health care protections for the transgender community. Apparently, under the Biden administration, it matters not what sex you were born as. Like a vault. That's hyphenated. We have, the deep hit. we have the details. And how about this video over the weekend? A Canadian pastor literally arrested for holding a church service. Arrested him on the highway. What is this, Chips? Where's Eric Estrada? The COVID police came out. They did the dirty work. Absolutely morally disgusting. Pastor Arthur Pulowski carried away to jail. He's been on our show, by the way, before. You're going to hear some of what he had to say before he was arrested. But first, the GOP and the way forward. That expected change in leadership expected to take place this Wednesday with a vote by the entire House GOP. Today, this statement from their leader, POTUS 45, and folks, Trump's the leader. All right, let's not pretend that he isn't. Here it is. In pure Trumponian form, by the way, the House GOP has a massive opportunity to upgrade this week from warmonger Liz Cheney to gifted communicator Elise Stefanik. Elise has intelligence and endorsement from American patriot Brandon Judd and the National Border Patrol Council. She has an A-plus from the NRA. She loves our veterans. We need someone in leadership who has experience flipping districts from blue to red as we approach the important 2022 midterms. And that's Elise, exclamation point. She knows how to win, which is what we need. All right, well, let's get some reaction to this and other news of the day from the very conservative, very dapper, very influential Matt Schlapp, chairman of the American Conservative Union. Matt, great to have you back on the water cooler. Great to be with you, David. You have your tie on Europe staging me. <laughs> That's right. I should have taken it off. You know, I don't know. You got you to figure it out. All right. Uh, so look, Elise Stefanik, are you good with this? Uh, what's the deal? If so, why? Yeah, I know Elise very well. Uh, we both work for President Bush. Um, and, you know, I know Liz Cheney very well. Quite honestly, I consider Liz Cheney a friend. But I guess this is uh, what happens when you're old and you've been in politics a long time. The, the, the reason why I think Elise Stefanik uh, has the edge with conservatives is because she switched a two-time Obama-winning congressional district, and she won it. And her, her, her conservative voting record started off pretty weak, but over time it's gotten much better. And of course, the apex of that was she decided to stick with President Trump, and not just stick with him, but to, but, but to be a vocal defender of his through impeachments, the independent counsel and all, all the other ridiculousness 
that he had to face. Whereas Liz Cheney, although she's been conservative on a lot of issues over the years, she just hates Trump and she mm -hmm. wants to push Trump off the field. And that's not popular in the conference. You see, Matt, this is why I like it. This is why we wanted you on the show. I mean, you're a straight shooter and that's it. That's it. I mean, let's because let's not let's just not beat around the bush. All right. I mean, if this was about conservative principles as it relates to a conservative message, I mean, Cheney's got the, 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 the advantage over Stefanik. There's not even a question about that. Everybody knows that. But the, if you're going to push uh, election, election integrity laws and if this is about still about the bad taste in your mouth in 2020 and trying to fix that, Stefanik is going to be way better than Cheney. Cheney was exactly the opposite on that. Yeah, David, I, what I'm most offended uh, by with Congresswoman Cheney is this idea that there wasn't significant fraud and wrongdoing in the 2020 election. I take it very personally. My wife takes it very personally. Uh, we were briefed on everything that happened in Georgia. I witnessed what happened in Nevada. Uh, we can never elect our president like this ever again. No other country on the globe does. For her to just deny that this occurs, I mean, on the Bush-Cheney campaign, I was part of the Brooks Brothers riot. And we did that. We, we had that protest because they were getting ready to steal the presidency in Dade County. And we drew attention to it. I mean, the idea that fraud and irregularities don't happen uh, with too much frequency is something she must know because her father was elected to the, to the vice presidency. Uh, with with our smart tactics on the ground in Florida. Yeah. So so just so I understand, because I remember you being on the ground uh, right after the 2020 election in November and December. And I know you were in Vegas, too. What, were you in Vegas? I think, too. Yes, I was. Yep, I yeah. was. So so but but of course, the critics and, you know, the New York Times and, and company will say, but it was if it was any sort of voter fraud, there wasn't anything systemic. Or they love to use the word systemic, except when it comes to voter fraud. Well, as you'll recall, what's going on with the recall positions in California mm -hmm. is they're really checking to make sure those signatures match what the government has on file. Mm -hmm. What they did in Nevada is they didn't check and verify the signatures of people who uh, voted uh, in the mail in Clark County, the biggest county in the state, which is Democrat dominated. It's the same thing that this terrible secretary of state did in Georgia. He had a consent decree with Stacey Abrams to allow cheating in the mail, not to verify who you are. So the Democrats knew that the signatures wouldn't be checked. So they ballot harvested yeah. uh, like crazy. And they just put ballots that they found that hadn't been filled out yet. And they filled them out, which is why you had so many ballots where there was a vote for Biden, but nobody else. You know, in the state of Pennsylvania, David, mm -hmm. they, we won, the Republican Party won two major statewide elections for people that were less popular than Donald Trump, but Donald Trump lost. I was just up there. People are still saying that that is a mathematical impossibility. Yeah, let, let me let me ask one last question on Stefanik. Does it put you in a kind of a tough position? I mean, you're, you're the chairman of the American Conservative Union. You want conservatives with strong conservative records, and Cheney obviously has a stronger conservative record than Stefanik. Does it does it kind of make you a little uncomfortable, or how do you kind of move well, around I've that? How do you move to... around that? I've talked to Elise, and uh, she has assured me that she's going to vote pro-life, she's going to vote pro-gun, that she's going to, uh, she's going to uh, be a very strong conservative voice. Mm -hmm. And I think for Liz Cheney, she deserves a lot of credit for, I think she has uh, a lifetime in the high 70s with our rating. It's not perfect, it's not stellar, but it's very strong. Mm -hmm. And I think the thing is, she's whiffed on this major question of, do we need someone like Trump who'll fight hard? She doesn't want someone like that. And I think that makes 
That's the most important issue that our party faces. Will we fight or will we just give in? Because that's usually what we do. Right. Well, let me ask you about Mitt Romney while we're on, uh, <laughs> while we're, I guess to a degree while we're on Liz Cheney, because he was with her on impeachment, if you will. Uh, the Weber County, uh, the GOP, they're voting to censure uh, Mitt Romney for voting to convict Trump. Th this is the basis speaking here, Matt, and they're frustrated. Uh, you wonder if Romney is in some sort of political witness protection program at this point. This is the hard part for, you know, the base of the party, the conservative base of the party and this great big coalition we have is they're looking at the people that were the standard bearers of the party and all of them are seem to be fighting the conservative change that we want. Name the, uh, the, the surname, Romney just being the latest one, someone who was our nominee, uh, who just is anathema to the base of the party because he wants to be, he wants to have a more genteel approach to politics. Well, when socialism is crashing in on America and we're seeing 56 genders and my nine-year-old's being asked sexual questions when she plays video games online, that we don't want to take this crap anymore. We're ready to fight yep. uh, and to push back and to say no. And if Mitt Romney wants to have a more genteel sport, he ought to pick up cricket and get out of politics. <laughs> yeah, Gen Gen Genteel ain't going to cut it, uh, for sure. On a separate note, I'd love to see Mitt Romney play cricket, but uh, I don't know if we have that video. We'll, we'll check. Madison, let me know. Uh, all right, I think I met Croquet, actually. Croquet would be more like something <laughs> okay. he would be good at, I think. At the next level of Genteel. Got it. Uh, about, about a minute left, Matt. Uh, this transgender uh, ruling, I'm uh, ruling, listen to me. I feel like it's from King Biden. This transgender uh, decision by the Biden administration, in essence, reversing uh, Trump and restoring, as they, as the AP likes to call it, transgender health protections. That's nice code language there. What do you make of what the Biden administration is doing here? Look, I mean, the extent to which this is about the military, I think we ought to listen to the military. And the problem when you, the taxpayers pick up the very expensive procedures to, as they say, chemically change your body, it, you can't do that and both be in the theater of war. So, uh, you know, President Trump made a decision about military readiness, which just makes sense. Look, I believe adults have the right in a free country to decide to do this, to change their physical appearances. They have every right to do that, but I shouldn't have to pay for it. And certainly that doesn't mean that you can do every profession. Some professions will be excluded to you, just like girl sports needs to be protected. It doesn't mean that you can't get these surgeries and, and take these chemical uh, procedures. but you can't destroy women's and girls' sports just because you've made that decision. Society has to have some order and some fairness. And I'm glad that uh, we understand, most of America realizes that, just not yeah. Joe Biden. Yeah, for sure. All right, Matt Schlapp, great to have you on the show, uh, Chairman American Conservative Union. Thanks, Matt. Thanks, David. That's great stuff. Uh, he's right. Uh, look, the base is not into Genteel, and he mentioned socialism is at the door. Forget at the door, it's crashed through the door. It's coming right at you. So, uh, you know, good luck playing croquet, Mitt Romney, but uh, not for the base. Back in the Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset, hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. 
Welcome back to the Water Cooler, everybody. You know, I thought pastors were supposed to hold worship services and preach the Word of God. Well, they, they do that, but up in Canada this past weekend, uh, Canadian pastor Arthur Pulowski was doing that, but then guess what? He was arrested for literally holding a church service. Uh, the COVID police, if you will, came out and said, hey, you're violating some restrictions up there. And unbelievable, this is, uh, this is our society. I say our society, Canadians, Americans, look, it's happening. It's happened around the world. Uh, he, here's a little bit of the arrest. Uh, take, take a look. And there he goes off to, I guess, COVID jail. This is unbelievable. We had Arthur Pulowski on the show uh, just a couple weeks ago. Here's what he said about who he serves. So what's going on in your church today and where you go, you're, you guys are not going to be wearing masks. You're doing what you're, what are you doing specifically? You're saying, look, we're going to preach the gospel and not worry about these restrictions that they're trying to place on you. Well, first of all, who do I serve? I don't serve the prime minister. I don't serve the, the mayor. I don't right. work for them. I don't work for the government. I work for God. And in my Bible, it's very clear. Do not forsake the gatherings of the saints. In my Bible, it's very clear. If there is anyone sick among you, lay hands on them. So I lay hands on the people every week since the beginning. Since I remember, I read the Bible and it says lay hands on the people so That's they right. can recover. I'm doing this. I am not working for the government. I'm working for God. God is very clear. If it comes to his commandments, if you love me, obey my commandments. It doesn't say, if you love me, obey the Caesar's commandments. It's his commandments. So I am absolutely shocked how weak the church is and the pastors, they're not following the Bible, their own Bible, and they have uh, abandoned the sheep and the people uh, like the rats uh, from you know sinking ships. So um, my message is, again, who, whom are you serving? Juicy this day, are you serving the government officials, the pharaohs of the land, or you serving God? you got to make a choice because I have chosen to serve God. We do not wear masks. We pray for people. I preach the gospel. I have coffee with my parents, uh, even though it's illegal to this day to have a coffee with my brother. Can you imagine? I wow. have people in my house every yeah. single day, and I pray with them. I talk with them, and my people are healthy. Let's get some more reaction to this. Uh, my good friend Gary Bauer uh, with us on the show, the president of American Values. Gary, great to see you again. Great to see you, David. Gary, what do you make of uh, what's happening up in Canada with this pastor? My goodness, watching that uh, video of his arrest, I don't know whether to cry, to be angry, uh, to rave my fists at the sky. It's, uh, it's outrageous. Uh, look, we've been seeing this in Canada, in Europe, and here in the United States, where we do have a First Amendment that guarantees the freedom of religion. But sadly, we've seen government overreach in this Arrests in Canada is a perfect example of that. Are they arresting a child molester, a mass murderer, uh, somebody that just robbed a bank? They're dragging a pastor along the ground on a public highway because he was inciting, the word they use, inciting people to go to church. I would just say, David, that whether it's Canada or the United States or any other country, the more people that were in the churches of that country, the better off that country would be. This is a very disturbing thing to see 
happen in Canada of all places. Gary, I know we have the First Amendment here, but uh, as we've seen, uh, that First Amendment can big time come, or as Trump would say, big league, come under attack. Uh, what's your sense of whether or not that type of stuff could literally happen here? We started to already see some of, some of this, maybe not arrests, but are, in the sense of police in California and, and state authorities in California and other places doing close to that, no, no question about it. And, and look, David, it's a it's a witch's brew. There are two things happening at the same time. One is that governments, including here in the United States, are much more emboldened by the year, by the day, to get more aggressive in attacking religious liberty. But the other part of that coin is that too many churches have been willing to give up their religious liberty without a fight. Now. David, I, I understand if a church, when COVID hit, uh, if the parishioners get together, the congregation gets together and they decide, you, you know, there are a lot of us that are older, we don't want to put people at risk. So we're voting to make church Zoom. I, that's, a, that's a decision the church can make. But when you see governments ordering churches to close, while they leave abortion clinics and uh, pot stores and uh, all sorts of other things open. And while they allow demonstrations, including violence, by all sorts of usually left-wing groups take place with nobody talking about COVID. Yeah. But then when it comes to Christians gathering in a church to pray, to worship, to sing, suddenly it's the letter of the law. Oh, no, you can't do that. So uh, I'm. it's saddening and it's infuriating that government's going down this road. But I hope the church wakes up and wakes up before it's too late. Religious liberty, as we enjoy it in this country, has not been the norm throughout history. And it can slip away again if we don't stand up and defend it. And Gary, uh, we had John to talk about the pastor situation. But then this news came out today uh, from the Biden administration about transgender uh, I guess you call it transgender rights, at least that's how the media calls it. Uh, the AP headline says this, reversing Trump, U.S. restores transgender health protections. And uh, as I look at my notes, I believe the Trump administration had defined sex to mean gender assigned at birth. Hey, oh, by the way, that's what God also assigned, gender at birth. Uh, I want to get your reaction to what the Biden administration is doing here. I've got about a minute or so, Gary. Yeah, no, it's it's uh, it's very disturbing. Uh, what's at stake here is forcing Christian hospitals and doctors to perform uh, gender-altering surgery and other medical treatments that have a moral dimension to them. And in this country, no religious institution or religious believer can be forced by government to do things and participate in things that they find morally questionable. That ought to be a basic. Yeah. Gary Bauer, really appreciate your time. Love to get you back. President for American Values. Thanks, you. Gary. Thank you. I appreciate it. Uh, Gary Bauer with a, a he, he's, uh, how do I say this? Uh, he's influential, uh, in, especially in that conservative evangelical community, uh, ran for president uh, back in the day uh, and has a an important following uh, all across the country. So uh, his word matters uh, and it carries uh, quite a bit of significant weight. So uh, he's absolutely right, especially as it relates, well, as it relates to the transgender issue for sure, but also with the pastor, you know, what are churches gonna do in this country? I mean, this is the black robe regiment of the Revolutionary War days. Uh, is it going to come back? Uh, is there going to be a time where the churches in this country stand up and say enough? 
Enough of this. This is getting ridiculous. The COVID police at your doorstep, folks. When we come back, the Arizona GOP chairwoman, Kelly Ward, talking about the Arizona audit. Back in a moment. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Welcome back to the Water Cooler, everybody. The Arizona audit continues bright and early on Monday morning. It's going to go on for a while now. Uh, lots of controversy because the media is up in arms over, you know, hey, what's happening here? Is it secure? Wait a minute. Hold on. Uh, federal election law being violated. The DOJ is now involved. Blah, blah, blah. Let's get uh, Kelly Ward uh, on the, I say on the line. What is this, 1972? Like we're going to get her on the rotary phone? No, wait, we have Skype. Dr. Kelly Ward, Arizona GOP chairwoman, joining us now. Uh, Kelly, good to see you. Hey, David. Great to see you. I am pulled off safe on the side of the road, ready to talk about America's audit. Okay, well, talk about being on the front lines. You're literally on the front lines now. You're not playing around. All right, so give us the latest on what's going to happen. It's back at it in Arizona again today? Yep, back at it. They took a little break yesterday for Sunday for Mother's Day, and now they're back to counting those 2.1 million votes by hand. They are working hard. I mean, the um, the Senate is definitely going to take things in hand if the Maricopa County Board of Supervisors doesn't get its act together, release those passwords, the secondary passwords, and turn over the routers and the diagrams. Those things were subpoenaed. The Arizona courts have directed them to turn them over, and they are in direct violation of a court order and a legislative subpoena, which is unacceptable. So what, what's the latest on that? How is that going to work out from a court standpoint or otherwise? Well, I'm, I'm guessing they may end up back in court. It's hard to say um, unless the attorneys for the Board of Supervisors has advised them correctly to turn over that information. Yeah, so you knew these headlines were coming. The Associated Press is out with this uh, headline, Inside Arizona's uh, Election Audit, GOP Fawed Fantasies Live On. Uh, I want to get your response to that. They started going down this line about how, uh, and I'm reading from the article here, how uh, something about bamboo fibers in the paper. Are you guys looking at that type of stuff? What, what are you looking for specifically, uh, Kelly? What, what are the, what's the Associated Press trying to do here? I have no idea what the Associated Press is trying to do other than to create fake news and sensational headlines with using biased words that are not reporting news, but creating an atmosphere that creates doubt in the election system. They are undermining the very fiber of our election. This audit is, is being done not by Republicans for Republicans. It's being done by the state Senate, an elected legislative body representing we the people to 
expose anything that went on in the 2020 election from mistakes to irregularities to outright fraud. It's the first time in the history of our country that something like this has been done. And for the media to to create this kind of fake news and political hype, it is unacceptable. They are supposed to utilize the First Amendment to protect us from corruption, and they are corrupt. So, Kelly, technically, uh, those 2.1 million ball ballots in Maricopa County, they, they were counted. Uh, help me out exactly as to what happened back in November and December as opposed to this, because there was a partial recount. What, what's the difference here? Because people are saying this, this has already been, so to speak, litigated. Now, maybe not litigated is not the right word, but they're saying at least this was done to some degree, at least in November, December. You're saying it wasn't done? It was not done. It, it, uh, sorry about that. That's fine. Go ahead. Um, it was not done. They did a sham audit, which was basic. This is the county. Um, they, they ran some of the ballots through some of the machines. Once again, not all of the ballots, not here, not even a, um, statistically significant percentage of the ballots. It was basically a logic and accuracy test. A test to say that, yes, these ballots, when we run them through the same machines, we get the same result. What the audit is doing is actually hand counting those ballots. They are making sure that um, ballots that were cast for President Trump or um, Biden, that they were counted appropriately. They are looking at the ballots themselves, the physical ballots, to determine if they are legitimate ballots that were not created and put into the system in some way. And they are looking at the software and the hardware, as well as the logs for the machinery that was used. That is an audit. This is not a recount. This has nothing to do with a recount of an election. This is a full forensic audit. And thank the, you know, thank, thank the Lord that our state Senate is strong enough to put this forward because this is not a Republican audit. It is not an Arizona audit even. It is America's audit. Kelly, I want to get your reaction to uh, this Senator Paul Boyer, this Republican who represents a suburb of Phoenix. Uh, there was a headline that says, uh, this is a quote from him. He talked to the New York Times. He said, quote, it makes us look like idiots. This is an Arizona state senator who is now disavowing this criticized uh, election recount uh, after seeing it in action. I want to get your reaction to that because it does seem like this is a time for choosing as to who is, who is, uh, who is a true, uh, who's in and who's not. Right. Well, Paul Boyer's been a, an extreme disappointment to me as the chairwoman of the Republican Party, as well as to Republicans in his legislative district. He's been censure, censored or censured by his legislative district, as well as the county party, because he is not acting like a Republican. He has um, repeatedly gone and caucused with the Democrats on everything from uh, trying to stop uh, sanctioning or um, holding the Board of Supervisors accountable to their behavior when they're defying a subpoena from the state Senate to just recently caucusing with the Democrats to give in-state tuition to people who came to our country illegally, rewarding illegal behavior. It, he's a disgrace. And I, I saw that the New York Times had interviewed someone 
but I don't subscribe to the New York Times even for free. And so I'm glad to hear who it was. I'm not surprised they aren't reaching out to any real Republicans to get any real information about how people in our state feel about America's audit. For sure. Hey, Kelly, uh, 20 seconds or so. Uh, what's the timetable here? How long will this go on for? Is, what's your sense? Yeah, it's going to go on until we get it done and get it done right. Um, I think it could take a month or more to complete everything that has to be done to assure people that our elections have integrity and restore voter confidence here in Arizona and across the country. Absolutely. Kelly Ward, great to have you on the show. Always great to see you. Thanks, Kelly. Bye-bye. All right. Kelly Ward, uh, on, I'm assuming she's on her way to the, the arena. I don't know. Uh, probably stopping at Panera Bread. No, I don't know if she's stopping at Panera Bread. That's fake news. What do I know? Uh, anyhow, we appreciate her being on the show. All right. When we come back, Elise Stefanik. Uh, no, she's not on the show. Uh, we're, we're working on that. But Dr. Nan Hayworth, a former New York congresswoman who knows Elise Stefanik. Can I say that name? Uh, well, she'll be here to weigh in. Back in a moment. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Welcome back to the water cooler, everybody. It goes down Wednesday. That's when I head to the buffet. The all you no, that's not true. That's that's a whole nother story. Uh, no, actually, on Wednesday is when the GOP uh, will vote for a new leadership team because uh, Kevin McCarthy, with this headline over the weekend, McCarthy backs Stefanik, at least Stefanik, to replace Liz Cheney as House GOP conference chair. And if you don't believe me, if you don't believe the Justin News headline, we have eight seconds of of a soundbite. To prove it, here it is. Do you support Elise Stefanik for that job? Yes, I do. <laughs> well, there you go. And it had music and everything. That was nice. All right, let's bring in uh, Nan Hayworth, uh, former New York Congresswoman. Uh, Nan, great to have you back on the show. Thank you, David. It's my privilege to be with you. Thank you. Well, let's start with uh, just kind of an overall view of what's going to happen this week in Republican leadership. What should we make of, uh, of the change from Liz Cheney to Elise Stefanik? Most likely, obviously. Well, you know, it, look, I think we judge the role of Republican House conference chair uh, by two criteria, David, to my mind. One of them is you know, are you good on policy? You know, can you support our policies? Uh, and the second aspect of it is, uh, look, you know, we can't drive our policy agenda if we can't be successful tactically and strategically politically. So a GOP conference leader has a dual role. Uh, and Representative Cheney has been fine on policy. Her vote record is solid. But the problem is, when it comes to the politics of being this prominent voice, she is firing actively against an enormous component of the Republican constituency across the country, indeed in her own district, uh, and also across the nation, and not just Republicans. Uh, she, you know, her her insistence on focusing on a wound of the past that particularly troubled her, 
uh, instead of focusing on unifying, on having a positive message and moving forward, uh, you know, she's failed in that regard. So you know, she be replaced. You know, Nan, I think you make a really good point because here's the deal. The media loves to fixate on this Liz Cheney versus Donald Trump uh, scenario and all of that. But but it really is much larger than that because uh, clearly the base uh, as it relates to the, the MAGA base of the party right now, there are tens of millions of Americans who feel that, that, that just don't feel right about what happened in 2020, whether it be from a legislative standpoint, whether it be from, you know, that they didn't do the job, uh, wh whatever it is, uh, uh, voter fraud. And so you've got that. And Liz Cheney is just not in step with that. And I would think that's what's clearly driving all of this. Well, it is. She has chosen, and, and again, a quality of leadership. Uh, Representative Cheney has every right to speak out uh, and to speak her mind and to vote as she sees fit. Uh, but the, when you're a leader, you have a particular responsibility. You have a discipline, and you are not merely a, not only a leader, but a Republican leader, which means you really do need to be in step with our unifying positive message. Uh, it, it, you know, it, if you have the, and everybody, you know, I was in the House Republican Conference, David, so I certainly know we had our disputes internally, mm -hmm. but you keep them in the family. You keep them in our conference uh, context. You don't take them outside and provide effectively lots of ammunition for our adversaries. You know, yeah. these folks love Republicans. They love Republicans who seem to hate other Republicans. Well, let's take a I, I want to show you a headline that caught my attention. Uh, and obviously, it's been making the rounds as it relates to the storyline about the base and Elise Stefanik. Uh, it says that Trump likes Elise Stefanik, but it appears his base still needs to come around. And then it gets into her voting record. And look, I mean, as you said, Liz Cheney was very good on policy and Elise Stefanik. Uh, you know, if you look at Heritage Action and some other folks or other places, I mean, she's at what, 52% or so on a conservative scale. Whatever the, 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 the here's the point. She's, she's center right. She's not further to the right like Liz Cheney in terms of policy. So tell me about Elise Stefanik and why that might be potentially problematic or does it matter? I actually think in the national context, it, it may be a real asset. Uh, David, and it, most members of Congress are uh, somewhat constrained by, and as they should be, quite honestly, by their constituencies. They need to vote in harmony with what their constituents uh, want to happen, uh, because you're not voting for yourself when you're a representative in Congress. You're voting for your on behalf of your constituents. So her record is not going to be that of, say, uh, a representative from deep red Wyoming. She is from a red district in New York, but it's the state of New York. So she has voted very wisely with her constituents and observe well that she has been able to do that, to maintain that center-right record and still be positive about President Trump, about his accomplishments, about what he did for the country. Yeah. That is a wonderful set of attributes. We could not have a better new uh, House GOP leader 
than Elise Stefanik. Well, I, something very important to point out that her district in 2012 did go to Barack Obama. Uh, it was a blue district, and Donald Trump talked about it's important to flip uh, districts from blue to red. McCarthy would want that too, and that's exactly what Stefanik did. I, we're, we're almost out of time, about a minute left. Give, give me your sense of Elise Stefanik, the person. Uh, you know her, you're a former congresswoman from New York. Uh, you didn't serve with her specifically, but you know, but you know yep. her. She's a New Yorker, you're a New Yorker. Uh, so tell me a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> about Elise Stefanik. We're both we're both upstate New Yorkers, but but yes, but Elise Stefanik is uh, is dedicated. She's very intelligent. She's savvy. She has recruited women uh, into our ranks as candidates, which is something that you know we need to make sure that women feel welcomed to run for office in the Republican Party. And that's something that, you know, you have to make an extra effort about. She's done it. She's a great fundraiser. She knows how to talk. She knows how to act. She knows how to bring people together. She knows how to be successful in challenging environments. Uh, those are exactly the traits that we need. And she will absolutely, I think she will please uh, and serve well everybody who uh, aspires for our success. Nan Hayworth, a former New York Congresswoman, really appreciate you on the show. Great insight. Thank you so very much. Thank you, David. Anytime. All right. Uh, from New York. Did I go accent? I went with the accent. Look, I'm from the Upper West Side of New York. So like I said, I was telling Nan before we taped the segment, I said, hey, uh, look, uh, Nan, uh, two, order, uh, two uh, words I get caught up in with my New York accent, water, and can I take your order? Uh, so, hey, look, if I get talking faster on family, I'm in a danger zone big time. All right. When we come back, the last sip, Disney. The wokest place on earth. Back in a moment. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Welcome back to the Water Cooler, everybody. Time for the last sip. I've got to tell you something. I've been going to Disney, Disney World specifically, with my family for, I don't know, 20 plus years or so. And uh, let, me, let me be honest with you. I love Disney, right? Happiest place on earth. Okay, so I got to pay $6 for a Coke, whatever. But beyond that, Love Disney, uh, but the, they're pushing my patience. They're really testing my patience here. I, I, I got to kind of figure out what I'm going to do with Disney. Maybe all of you are in the same boat. Here's the latest headline from Disney. New York Post says this, Disney goes woke with new anti-racist agenda for employees. Uh, let's go to the next tear out, if you will. It's the wokest place on earth, according uh, to City Journal. Disney is now mounting an internal campaign against white privilege and organizes racially segregated affinity groups. And as I'm looking here, they're literally starting to talk uh, to employees in their booklets, in their human resource pamphlets about critical race theory. And they want workers at Disney to literally recognize white privilege uh, and that there is systemic racism and white fragility. These are terms. I'm not playing around. This is what Disney is teaching their employees, uh, and apparently Disney says that in, uh, workers must reflect on America's racist infrastructure and think carefully about whether or not wealth, ready for this, about whether or not 
their wealth, in other words, the workers' wealth, is derived from racism. That, according to City Journal and the documents, and they call it the wokest place on earth. And I got to tell you, I'm appalled. Like I said, I've been going to Disney for a very long time. My sense is that you and your family have gone to Disney uh, more than once, uh, probably for years. Uh, what are you going to do? Uh, you know, uh, this is a tough one. I'm, I'm going to be honest with you. I mean, when I go to Disney, uh, let's, let's take all the wokeness out for a moment. Let's just forget what we just heard, okay? In the, in the 70s, and the 80s, the 90s, I mean, for, for a while now, right? I mean, it was, it was great. You know you loved it. It was wonderful. Okay, maybe not in August when it was 92 degrees and 117% and, and humidity, if you know what I'm saying. But it was great. Now... You have a choice to make. Are you going to continue to go to Disney? And I'm going to be honest with you. Look, if you go to Disney, knock yourself out. I'm not here. There's no judgment zone. Uh, I'm curious what you think. The water cooler at justthenews.com. The water cooler at justthenews.com. Give us a drop us a line. Give us an email and tell us what you're going to do. Have you been going to Disney? Are you going to rethink that? It's a tough one. I, I got to tell you, I, I don't know. I, I, I'm saying this live on television. I don't know what I'm going to do. Should I not be going to Disney? Tell me what I should do. No, don't tell me what I should do. I'll have to make up the decision on my own. My own. Back in a moment. Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. Welcome back to the Water Cooler, everybody. Great show. Thank you. Uh, Anna Perez, Real American's Voice correspondent here. Uh, you a lot of pressure on you. This has been a great show, so... Keep it up. <laughs> I'll try. I'll try. Okay. BLM. You're, you're here with a BLM story. Another BLM story, That's right? Black Lives Matter. Is that correct? Black Lives Matter, correct. Just checking. All right. Yeah. What's happening? <laughs> so, really interesting story that yeah. just came out. Um, a school district in Minnesota called Rochester Public Schools, they're okay. adopting Black Lives Matter as official government speech, which... What? is yes very it's fascinating because this is a public school district and what it means essentially is that this slogan will now be exempt from dissenting opinions which sounds completely un-american of course totally un-american um, and obviously a lot of people are wondering how is that possible this is a public school how can they adopt something so politicized as official government speech you know exempt from any dissenting opinions um, and the way that they were able to do it is because actually this is a very common thing done okay. in schools how they do it um, well through calling it official government speech, they, schools usually use that for things like, you know, endorsing slogans like, work hard and you'll succeed, you know, things that are pretty right. much not controversial, things that you would be fine with your child hearing in school. Mm -hmm. um, so this is different in the sense that obviously in, in the context of it, it's very controversial, it's very politicized, but the one qualification that it does have is that just because they're endorsing the slogan doesn't necessarily mean that they're endorsing the like political policies that go along with it. So meaning, their, their argument is, well, we're not saying we're Marxist or that we support Marxism just because the Black Lives Matter founders support it. But obviously, when you're endorsing a slogan, you know, people assume you're endorsing everything that goes along with it. That's ridiculous. I mean, yeah. I mean that's a bunch of, well, excuse me, hello, uh, hooey. That's a bunch of hooey. <laughs> exactly. Um, so what, this went through, like, the school board or something? I guess yes. The, so the school board actually voted on this recently, and apparently it was sweeping resolution. So... 
Um, that's how they were able to get this done. But as you, you probably can imagine, the few conservative parents that are in that area are probably outraged over this. 100%. I mean, you know, conservative parents, for the most part, don't necessarily have a problem with their kids being exposed to other ideas. But right. to have it exempt from dissenting opinions, meaning that teachers can't teach just like the argument of racial injustice or mm -hmm. whatever they want to call it. Like mm -hmm. the fact that you can't present both sides equally, you know, that says something about our public education system and the future of it. Oh, 100%. I'm glad you brought that to our, our attention, our viewers' attention. So, Anna, thank you so much. Thank you for having me. Wow. Yeah. You're, you're very welcome for, well, whatever. Anyhow, thank you. <laughs> I don't know what I'm really trying to say. Wow. I mean, I'm just kind of blown away by that story. All right. Uh, tomorrow on our show, former Senator Jim DeMint will be here. Joel Rosenberg as well, uh, the editor-in-chief of All Israel News. We will see you tomorrow. Still recovering from that story. Good morning.